0: Thank you for listening to the Reformation Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are edified and encouraged by our ministry as you listen to our Gospel of John sermon series. For more sermons and resources, please visit the RBC website at org. Thank you once again, and may the Lord bless you. This will be the conclusion of the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. We have... We have climbed this mountain for quite some time now. When we reach chapter 18, we will be, as it were, heading into the valley or back down into the valley where we see the denial and crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. But for now, let's continue climbing before we descend into the valley. Chapter 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. But they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is God's word. Those who have ears to hear are blessed to hear what the spirit of God says to the church. Let me pray for us as we begin. Our Lord and God, we come before you in the name of Christ and we ask that you alone are glorified. We ask that you alone are our praise and that you would give us ears, eyes, minds, and hearts to hear, to see, to understand, and to believe, Lord. Help us to not fully comprehend, but fully apprehend that which is spoken here in these verses. Spirit of God, illuminate our hearts. I decrease that you may increase. I become less so that you can become more. I pray that you would move me out of the way this morning. And that all glory and honor and praise would go to the only one who is worthy. Our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is for his sake that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as we consider the final verses in the 17th chapter, particularly verse 24, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. As we consider the final verses of this chapter, the hope is that we see the Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest of the church of God. Jesus is praying here in his office as prophet, priest, and king. And not that we are able to to parcel out or separate those offices, because the priest is the priest king who speaks the word of God. The prophet is the priest who guards the mouths of God's people. And the king is the one who is bringing us the word of God. So we cannot separate those three offices. They indwell all of the Son. But it is helpful for us to think of Jesus Christ in these three offices as prophet, priest, and king. And here... Our Lord, as the great high priest, king of God, is praying for his people. He is interceding on their behalf, and he is doing so before his father. In the Old Testament, one of the great privileges of the high priest was to represent the people of God as he prayed. This is what our Lord is doing here. Soon, he will accomplish one aspect of his high priestly ministry. He will make perfect atonement for sin. On the cross of Calvary, our Lord will carry out that which is cried out. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. He will cry out and carry out perfect atonement for his people. That is the, the, the work of redemption. Redemption is over. The price has been paid. The, the ransom has been made. Propitiation has been made for the people of God. It is finished, he will cry aloud. There is a completed, once for all aspect to the high priestly ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews One three says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. The writer of the Hebrews gives us insight into one aspect of the completed work of our high priest king, in that he sits down, and yet there is a continuing ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest king that he is. One aspect is completed. And yet, there is also a continuing aspect to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an ongoing high priestly ministry as he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And even though he is positioned in that seated place, he rises. As our high priest king. The people. To make prayer for the people. To affect his ongoing ministry as he represents his people. As he stands to represent his people as their, our high priest king. We see this in the first verse of the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. The Lord Jesus Christ is praying to the Father and he says that the Father might glorify Him in order that He, in turn, might glorify the Father. That glorification has not yet stopped. That glorification is a continuing glorying of the Father and the Son. The great heart concern of Jesus Christ is not your blessedness and not my blessedness. The great heart concern of Jesus Christ is not your glory or my glory. The great heart concern of Jesus Christ is the glory that belongs to God alone. Now, of course, in a sense, we cannot separate our blessedness from the Father's glory. Why? Because the glory of the Father contains the blessedness of those whom he has given to the Son but we must learn learn and we must ever learn to think first theologically and not first anthropologically meaning this we must first always think of god being first we must first always think of god being first god being at the very center and not ourselves first or ourselves at the very center we must think first theologically And not first, anthropologically. We must think God first. Not me. We must think first, God exalted. And not me. We must think to God be the glory. And not me. And I believe this is one of the great challenges of our hearts. Because we are by nature bent toward seeking our own self glorification. How many selfies do we know that people take? Can you imagine? The word has even captured the very nature of humanity. Selfie. Because it is about self. It is about our own glory, our own praise. We have wrong notions about God. We have wrong notions about ourselves. And we also have wrong notions about the local church. By nature, we believe that God and the local church exist for our own personal consumption, for our own personal gain, for our own personal glory. And we must constantly wrestle against our own pride, our own selfishness, our own self-seeking attitudes that scream out, what about me? It is a temptation for you also when hearing about the glory of God to not in the back of your mind be saying out to me or to whoever is preaching, get to the good part. What about me? As a preacher, I know because your, your body language changes when we begin to think of, talk about things that hit you, as it were, right where you believe that you live. But yet speak about the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And our minds are aloof. Amen. The great heart desire of our Savior is the glory of the Father. And he turns and prays for his disciples, his apostles. That those, those who would be uniquely chosen by his Spirit to be his inspired penmen of the New Testament... He turns to them who would be his ambassadors in this hostile world and he prays for them. Our Lord prays that they would be protected from the evil one, that they would be guarded and kept because there is an enemy who is seeking to devour them and also to devour the church of God. He prays that they will be sanctified, that they will be ever set apart unto God, that they would live their lives as men who are not their own, but who have been bought with a price, that they would live as men who are not of this world, but rather who were citizens of another world. Jesus says, for their sake I consecrate myself, or I sanctify myself. And not that our Lord needed to be more holy, or more set apart, but that he would increasingly... Set himself apart to the work of God, the Father, the work that God had called him to accomplish in this world. To be the prophet, the priest, and king for those whom he had given the Son as love gifts to before the foundation of the world. And our Lord prays for his church that they, we, would be one even as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. Our Lord prays for the church that we will be a reflection of the unity or the co-inherence within the triune God. And now our Lord comes to the conclusion of his prayer. And we come to the conclusion of this 17th chapter. And our Lord prays in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To what end? For what purpose? Why does our Lord desire that we be with him where he is? He tells us, verse 24, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I would like us to consider just three short points this morning. Number one, What is it that our Lord desires or wills? What is it that our Lord desires or wills? Verse 24. I desire or I will that they may see my glory. I desire or I will that they may see my glory. Did you hear that? That they may see my glory. That is the heart desire, that is the great longing of the Lord Jesus Christ as he anticipates the agony of the cross, which is rapidly approaching just a few short hours. Our Lord anticipates the cross, yes, but he also looks beyond the cross to the glory that awaits him. The longing of His heart is that His people, those whom the Father has given Him, that they would see His glory. Our Lord, looking forward to, He is looking forward to communion with His people. That fellowship which lies at the very heart of our salvation. He is looking forward to the fellowship when that which He presently enjoys... With his people will be made perfect. He's looking forward to that which he presently enjoys with his people to be made perfect. When there will no longer be sin intervening in that fellowship. When there will no longer be sin intervening in that communion. The day when there will no longer be faith but sight. When we will no longer hope, but we will behold that which we have patiently hoped for. Our Lord is anticipating that moment. He tells his disciples at the Last Supper in Luke twenty two fifteen, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Our Lord is looking forward to that moment. And he prays, verse 24, Father, I desire, I will, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. Now, let us remind ourselves of our tendency. And let us ask the Lord to greatly help us and to give us grace with our tendency. Now, what is our tendency? It is to hear those words and to think, What a marvelous privilege that I should have. What a marvelous privilege that I should have that one day I will see with my newly glorified eyes the Imago Dei, the sight of God in Jesus Christ. What an astonishing privilege we will have when we close our eyes in death. We will open them to view the sight of the glorified Savior, Jesus Christ. What a fellowship, what a communion will be ours. No longer will that communion be be marred by the sin of our heart or the abundance of distractions in this world. But we will have unmediated, undistracted, complete, perfect communion with God. And yes, my dear brothers and sisters, it is right for us to think and to ponder on all of these things and be amazed, but again, The danger that we must beware of is that when we come to the Scriptures, we look first for ourselves and not for God. The danger is we come to the Scriptures and we look first for ourselves and not God in Christ Jesus. We are seeing here that the focus is on Christ. Listen close. What does our Lord say? He says, I desire, I will, that they may see my glory. It is Christ who is looking forward to the prospect of unmediated, undistracted communion with his people. It is Jesus Christ who is anticipating that day when we will see that Which he truly is. When what he presently enjoys with his people will be consummated in perfection. It is his desire. It is his anticipation. Now think about this morning when we began with worship. I asked you, how often do you dwell on the gospel? How often do you long? To praise and worship God because of the gospel that He has saved you from or by. And all of us, if we were honest, including myself, said not very often. If I were to weigh out the scales of that which I'm concerned about, the gospel and the glory of the gospel and and being with Christ was not as heavy on my mind as other things. Now we can hear these passages and say what a great desire or what a great a prospect, what a great joy we have of one day being with Him and seeing Him in that light, but you must first understand, it is not first your desire, it is His. Do you see that simple switch? The Savior's communion with us, His people is His desire. And it'll be, it'll be uninterrupted by our sin, uninterrupted by this fallen world. Our Savior is looking forward to the day when he will bring his people into his presence. And Jesus Christ will have uninterrupted, uncorrupted communion with his people. John Owen says, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, look forward with delight to the prospect of communion with his people he looks forward with delight brothers and sisters jesus christ is the focus he is the focus of this passage jesus Christ's desires are the focus we hear the words and we are in all the prospect and yes we should be in all of that prospect but we must first understand it is first his desire and not ours Think about the text that is often used for evangelism. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. And he with me, Revelation 3.29. John Owen says concerning that passage, If this be not communion with God, I know not what is. Hear the Savior, though, the Savior is knocking at the door. It is the Savior's desire to come and fellowship or to sup with His people. Open the door, He says. Open the door and I will come in and fellowship with you. I will come in and sup with you. This was the great sign and symbol of true communion, supper, fellowship, communing. And He says to the church, let me in. To the church, let me in. Let me. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Let me in. I desire. I desire. Father, I desire. I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. It is His anticipation. We have an anticipation, but so does Christ. We have a desire, but so does Christ. And it is His anticipation that has created our anticipation. It is His desire that has made way for our desire. We would have no desire if he did not first desire. We would have no anticipation if he did not first anticipate us. Do you see the switch there? Oh, be in, be in awe of what we will one day see. But be in, awe more, in, in, in more great of a way that it is he who wants you to see this. It is first his desire that has given us any desire. You did not choose me. I chose you, John 15:16. Yes. He is looking forward to the day when he will have unmediated communion with his people forever, forever. When he not so much you. When he will be able to wrap his arms around you oh your arms are not and will never be wide enough long enough strong enough to wrap your arms around him but oh he can wrap his arms around you and it is his desire he wills for that day he longs for that day it is his desire think about how often you are inconsistent with your desire for him And in all of your inconsistencies, He has never been inconsistent with His desire for you. Wow. Think about how inconsistently you have longed for Him, served Him, and He has not one moment, because He changes not, lacked in desire for you, His people. He is the focus. This should cause us to fall on our knees And say to you alone be the glory. How many times have you failed to wake up for a Sunday. And yet he has not failed. Seated at the right hand of the father to continue to pray for you. That you would get your butt up next week. We must resist the temptation to look first for ourselves in scripture. To look first for ourselves in the local church. To look first for ourselves in the relationships within the people of this local church. To look first for ourselves. What can I gain out of this? Rather than, what can I give? No, the last shall be first. The first shall be last. Deny yourselves, our Lord says. Take up your cross, our Lord says. The scripture is constantly, constantly saying, God first, you second. As a matter of fact, God first, you last. And how did, he exp- how did he display that? He came in the form of a servant to display for us what our mind, what our heart should be. Me last, you first. And when you come to the scriptures, come with that mindset. Come with that heart. God to you and to you alone be the glory. Is in finding Christ that we will come to find ourselves. That is what our Lord desires and that is what He prays for. Secondly, what is the content of the desire of Christ? What is the content of the desire of Christ? Verse 24, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory That you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. I'd like you to listen close. And I'm going to take my time for just a moment. There is a glory that no one has ever given to the Son. There is a glory that not even the Father has given to the Son. The Son derives, listen, his sonship from the Father. But he does not derive his Godhead or his deity from the Father. He is autotheos. He is God within himself. He does not need anyone to make him God. He is God. And he does not derive his Godship from anyone. Not the Father nor the Spirit. He himself is God. Just as the the Father is God, and and the Spirit is God, so the Son is also God. No one ever gave Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, as God the Son. No one ever gave Him glory. He eternally had glory. Just as the Father eternally had glory, and the Spirit eternally had glory, so the Son Himself is glorious within Himself. Jesus Christ derives his Sonship from the Father, but not the glory of his Godhead from the Father. That is eternally his. It is not the glory of his essential Godhead that our Lord is speaking of then. But he is speaking of a glory that has been given to him. Our Lord spoke of that glory in John 12. Turn there real quick. Now, you don't need to turn there. Listen. John twelve twenty two. The hour is coming for the Son of Man to be glorified. What is this glory then? If he has an eternal glory, then what is this glory that he's speaking of that is about to come upon him? Philippians 2, 8. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that, the, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen close as we're getting to the answer. The writer to the Hebrews says, Hebrews 2.7, You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything under his feet or in subjection under his feet. Now, there is a glory. Here's the answer. There is a glory that is native to Jesus Christ. It is eternally His. But there is another glory that Christ has, and that is this, the glory of His redemptive accomplishment. accomplishment. In his deity, he always had glory, but he had not yet redeemed his people. And in going to redeem his people and accomplish that redemption, there is a glory that is given to him because of his redemptive accomplishment. The glory of the mediatorial obedience of Christ. He is our great mediator. He goes between the God, the Father, and his people on behalf of the people. The glory of rich wounds, yet visible, above in beauty glorified. I'll say that again. It is the glory of rich wounds, yet visible, above in beauty glorified. Meaning this. We will see. We will see. The marks on his hands. On his feet. We will see the stripes. All of the book of Revelation or the book of Revelation highlights this moment where we will be able to see the the lamb who was slain. And see him as he is. There is a glory. Because of his redemptive accomplishment. And that is the glory that Christ is speaking of here. The glory of being the redeemer of the elect of God. That is what Christ is speaking of, that they may see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Our Lord is, is talking about or taking us to, if you will, or as it were, he is taking us to eternity past, to that moment within that great council or covenant of redemption where the father made promises to the Son. And the Son chose to go and save a people. And the Spirit empowers the Son in His human flesh to accomplish the work of redemption for His people. Christ is taking us to that moment and saying, now it is fulfilled. Now it is fulfilled. And He was given the name. The name that is above every name. He will be crowned with glory and honor. All of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. What is Jesus desiring? What is He willing? He is desiring and willing that we may come to see the unshielded glory of redemptive accomplishment. The veil will be removed and we will be able to see Him as He is. That we might see the Lamb in the midst of the throne that we might see the glory of mediatorial obedience that we might see rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified that is the glory that the father gave to the son and promised to the son before the foundation of the world this is the glory that he now has that is what john is alluding to at the opening of the gospel of john john 1:14 we have seen his glory We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. What is the glory that we saw while Christ was incarnate in the flesh on earth? It was the glory of the God-man who became incarnate for our sake and for our salvation. That was the glory that we beheld. It is the glory of God stooping down to seek and to save a lost people. That's the glory. That's the glory of heaven. The glory of God who bends lower than can ever be conceived in order to lift us higher than could ever be conceived. That is the glory of heaven. That is where everyone whom the Father has given to the Son is headed toward that moment of glory. Toward that moment of glory, where there will again no longer be faith, but glorified sight. And we will behold the face of Jesus Christ, the one who accomplished our redemption. That's the glory that he's speaking of. I go to homes every single day in our job. And in most homes, depending on how much money they have. It's funny, even those who don't have much money, there's a centerpiece in their home there's usually a, a picture or an art piece or if you go into a foyer of their home, there's, there's something there that draws or demands your attention. Or if you look out into their yard, there is something that is a, a centerpiece there that, that lets everyone know this is the focus of my yard or this is the focus of my home. This is the focus of my room. There's always one thing, and some of you used to do that when you were kids. I used to have a picture of Michael Jordan on my on my wall. That was the focus of my room. I used to have hats. I, when I get into hats, I used to have hats all around my room, posted up. I wanted everybody to know how much hats I have. Then I got into sports and I had trophies. Those were the centerpiece of my room. The book of Revelation describes the Lamb who was slain as the centerpiece of all of heaven. Can you fathom the thought? Can you fathom the sight? Not you or me, but Christ in all of His glory as the centerpiece of all of heaven. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine being welcomed into all of heaven and your eyes are immediately fixed on the one thing that demands your attention, the one person that demands your attention, it is Christ in all of His glory. And it is His desire for you to see that. Oh, what a sight that will be. What an amazing sight that will be. Let me move on before I get lost in the sight or the thought. Third. Christ has an ongoing ministry. Christ has an ongoing ministry. Verse 25 and 26. O righteous Father. Even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What is Jesus Christ right now doing in heaven? What is he doing at the right hand of the Father as the great high priest king of his people? He is making the Father known. He is at prayer, making the Father known by the ministry of the Holy Spirit and through his word. He is making the Father known. He is bringing the compassion, the care and the grace of the Godhead in himself to the people of God. That is the greatest desire of our Lord, that his people would know how greatly the Father loves them. That is is our, our high priest king's great desire, that his people would know how much, how greatly, how deeply, how wide. Scripture says his people love them, love him. He loves his people. Verse 26, I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. Why? That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. And I in them. That they might increasingly grasp again how great and how wide and how, how deep is the love of God for His people. Our, our Lord intercedes for us that God would protect us from the enemy. That God would guard us from the seductions and snares of this passing world. But he does all of that with a higher view, with with a higher end in sight in order to make known to us the love of the father. The love that which you have loved me, with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And that is why every time you turn to scripture to read or to hear, you should pray. Lord, open my eyes to see you. Lord, help me to delight in you. Help me to see you as the centerpiece of all that I read, all that I see, all that I hear. Lord, open my heart to love you more, to know you more. Help me to understand your great love. If not even to to comprehend it, to at least apprehend your great love. The high priest ministry of Jesus was in a sense, not completed when he cried, it is finished. Now hear me close when I say that. One side of his high priestly ministry was completed. The atoning redemptive side, once for all propitiation made for the, the, the sins of his people, that was completed. But now, our sympathetic high priest, as the book of Hebrews calls him, he is presently at the right hand of the Father. And his ongoing ministry as he ever lives to make intercession for his people. He is praying, Father, make yourself known to them. Through your spirit, through your word, make yourself known to them. Illuminate hearts, Father. Open up minds, Father. Take the scales off of their eyes, Father. And is there any prayer of our Lord that ever failed? You are a product of our Lord's prayer. He has made known to you the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word. He is continuing the ministry of making known the Father to His people. That is what our Lord opens up with in His prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. This is what our Lord is doing. And that was what he was doing the entire time of his earthly ministry. He was saying to the people of God, Behold your God. As he went from town to town, as he spoke, he was saying essentially to the people, Behold your God. This is why the Gospels, in the Gospels, we so often hear Jesus calling God his Father. And it is as if he was taking the hand of his disciples and introducing them into the name of the father and saying, behold, your dad, behold, your God. Look at the end of the chapter. I have made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. The love with which you have loved me may be that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. In closing, what is he saying? He's saying the omega point of the gospel is to catch us up. To, to, for us to be caught up into the co-inherent fellowship of the triune God. For us to know the fellowship of the Trinity. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. We become partakers of the divine nature. And not that we could ever become God That's not the point here, but that we are caught up through the gospel into the fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, that we are caught up through the gospel. We are given an open door to fellowship with the triune God. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He is inviting us, introducing us into that great fellowship that has existed eternally. That is what our Lord and Savior is praying. So when people ask you, why should I become a Christian? You can say to them, because a Christian is one who is caught up in the fellowship of the triune God. See how that answer goes. And when they say, please explain. Then you can begin to explain to them the gospel. That the father loves the people. That the father sent his son incarnate in the flesh to save those people from their sins and to bring them into a relationship with God. That they may have peace with God. This is what our eyes will one day see. We will see the glory of Jesus Christ. And in that glory, we will see the glory of God. That is the heart of the Father. It is the heart that loves to the point of giving itself so that we might see his glory. (laughs) What a love we have in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, my, my prayer for you is... That you have come not fully to comprehend, but fully to apprehend the depths of the love of God in Christ Jesus. My prayer for you is that you have stood in awe of this majestic triune God. And that your view of him has grown exponentially. My prayer for you is that you have come to value the priceless prayers of our interceding high priest king. As you have apprehended the truth that he ever lives to make intercession for you. But my prayer for you is that you stand in awe of the fact that Christ is praying for you. That each time you close your eyes every day and open them in the morning, that you are in awe of the God who, whose love is great and wide and deep and high for his people. For you. Let us stand. Our great God and Savior, what a joy it is to know that you are presently, by your very presence, praying for us, seated on high. And We pray for our loved ones along with your prayer. Make yourself known to them. Pray for those who have not yet heard, who do not yet know. We pray along with what you are praying. Make yourself known to them.